This is Linux Reality, Episode 17, SUSE Linux 10.1, Part 2. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Chess Griffin, once again. Uh, welcome to the Linux Reality Podcast. Uh, last week, we walked through a hard drive installation of SUSE Linux 10.1, and I hope that, that you found that helpful. Uh, it's hard to kind of talk about an installation, you know, with just audio without pictures, I guess. But hopefully with audio with some of the screencasts that I linked to, uh, that that was helpful in, in getting you SUSE Linux uh, 10.1 installed on your computer. This week, we're going to take a closer look at SUSE. Uh, we're going to look at two things, really. The first is the YAST configuration tool that is really sort of, uh, you know, the crowning jewel of, of SUSE Linux, something that separates SUSE from, from a lot of the other distributions out there. And then we're going to talk about some of the package management issues that 10.1 has, unfortunately. But they are issues that can be overcome. Um, first, a couple things. I, I wanted to let you all know, because uh, I had some people email me about this, uh, I have downloaded and tried out the new uh, Ubuntu uh, Dapper Drake and we'll get to that distro down the road, maybe after SUSE. But um, I did want to mention something, just give people a heads up about one thing, one little gotcha that I've encountered with, with, with this new Ubuntu. You know, there's a live CD out there, which works really well as a live CD. And it also allows you to install, you know, uh, to install Ubuntu onto your hard drive. There's one problem with that installation. Uh, the installation program, if you will, uh, when you get to the bootloader screen, I mean, it doesn't let you install the bootloader, which is Grub. It, it doesn't allow you to install it anywhere except on the master boot record. used to be that there was a way you could select it, just like in most distros. Remember, I, I've mentioned this a couple times now in the last few episodes. I have a, a bootloader that I've got all tweaked out exactly the way I want it. So when I install distributions on my computers, I don't ever install Grub onto the master bootloader. I always want it, excuse me, onto the master boot record. I always want it installed on the, you know, on the boot partition of the, of the, of the, you know, where I'm installing SUSE or Ubuntu or what, what have you. So the live CDs installation does not let you change that, unfortunately. I think that's a, I think that's a problem. And they should, there should be some sort of expert tab or something that allows you to select a different partition for Grub. However, there is another uh, ISO image out there. It's called the alternate install ISO. Uh, which I have been told, I have not tried this, is the old-fashioned text-based installer, which does allow you to install the bootloader in alternate locations. So I'm just throwing that out there. I have not tried that. I have not verified that that's the case with the alternate install, but I've seen a few people mention that. So I think that's that I would imagine that's accurate. So if you've got a bootloader all set up and you don't want to mess with it, I would not use the live CD to install. You know, you can use a live CD to try it out, but... I would use the alternate install ISO if you're going to install Grub someplace other than the master boot record. Okay. Well, the other thing is I got lots and lots of feedback this week, which is really awesome. Lots of great emails. And once again, unfortunately, I've not been able to respond to everybody. But as I've said, I read every single email. And so I really appreciate it. I did receive one audio feedback this week. He's a Swiss listener living in Rwanda. And it's a really neat uh, feedback. So I thought I'd play it now. Message for you, sir. Hello, Chess. In the first comment from Ceres, 
I'm probably the first one to send you a comment from Rwanda. I'm spending one year in Rwanda working as a computer science engineer instead of going to the army in Switzerland, which is a very good deal for me. It's probably much more interesting than the army. In the How to Pronounce Ubuntu series, I have to tell you that Ubuntu is actually a word in Kinaranda. It's pronounced Ubuntu. The NT is pronounced like an NH in Kinaranda, so Ubuntu. It means free. Something like that, at least. Uh, I've been using Linux for about 10 years, so I'm not really learning anything new in your podcast, but it gives me some very good ideas, and it would probably make me start to do the same in French one of these days. Uh, actually, I've already been giving away a few uh, CDs with your podcast on around in computer science schools here. Well, Linux is not really used at all in Rwanda. I'm probably the only Linux user in all Kigali. It might change, and you might have a part in that. So, congratulations, and keep up the good work. Goodbye. So, there you go. Wow. Is, is that cool or what? I mean, a Swiss listener living in Rwanda. I mean, if that does not prove the power of the Internet, I don't know what does. And I just think that's awesome. I love the internationalization that that we've been able to find with this audience. I just think it's great um, because I know I talked talked about this a long time ago, but one of the best things about Linux is the fact that it is truly an international operating system. And to me, that's one of the biggest benefits because you just get all sorts of really interesting and creative and smart people from all over the world working on something together. It's a way to bring people together, and it's a way to make the product better, and the product in this case being the Linux operating system. But uh, I just want to thank you uh, for that audio feedback. That is just so great that you're working there in uh, Rwanda. And, and I, you know, I had heard that about the word Ubuntu that that was, you know, a, a, an actual word. And, and so thank you for that pronunciation. Um, and I think it would be really cool if you started a Linux podcast in French. I don't know if there are any or not, but uh, uh, if there's not, uh, definitely do it. Well, if there is, go ahead and do it. I mean, there's lots of other Linux podcasts out there, but that didn't stop me. So the more we can spread word about this great operating system, it's just a, it's a wonderful thing. So, uh, okay, thanks so much for that. And uh, with that, we got a lot of talk to talk about, so let's get right to it. SUSE Linux 10.2, sorry, 10.1, Part 2. Okay, the first thing I want to uh, touch on here in uh, this episode is YAST. YAST is... SUSE's administrative tool or administration tool, configuration tool, and it's and it's unique to SUSE. YAST, incidentally, stands for yet another setup tool, and it used to be closed source, the, the code, I think, for, for YAST or proprietary or something, but it used to be somewhat restricted. Well, when Novell bought SUSE a few years ago, you know, they've really opened it up, and now the whole thing is open, and that's just a wonderful thing to see. I mean, SUSE Linux is entirely open now. And as is Yast, but I don't think anybody else, any other distributions have incorporated it yet, but I might be wrong about that. But Yast is, you may remember when we talked about PC Linux OS, we went into the PC Linux OS control center and I showed you a bunch of tools. And you may remember that I explained that, that, you know, uh, there are really two sets of control centers, if you will, in, in some distributions. There's the, 
control center, uh, for lack of a better phrase, for the desktop. And, you know, KDE has a KDE uh, control center type thing where you can set KDE settings. And then some distributions provide you with their own control center where you can configure hardware and, and startup system services and just, you know, everything everything else, everything other than KDE. And that's what that PC Linux OS control center did, and that's what YAST does. So the, the way to find it is if you're in KDE, in, in SUSE, and you go down to the K menu, to the KDE menu, and click the little green button there, and go up to Utilities, I'm sorry, go up to System, and then go over into the, to the menu that opens up and down to YAST, YAST Control Center. That will open up the YAST Control Center. It will ask you for your root password, and, uh, and then YAST will start. Now, you'll notice on the uh, left-hand side of YAST, it's a, it's a typical two-paned uh, type of window, and on the left, you've got eight things listed, software, hardware, system, network devices, network services, Novell App Armor, security and users, and miscellaneous. And then as you select each one of those, the contents in the panel to the right will change. You know, this is pretty standard stuff. So in software, for example, you've got, I'm not going to read every single entry here, but you've got various icons regarding software management and software installation and online configuration and all of that. And we'll come back to that in a, in a minute. Uh, the next one down is hardware, and this is where you you can configure several several pieces of hardware for your system, Bluetooth, your graphics card and monitor. And I think what that does is it runs what's called SAX2, which is a uh, SUSE a little um, hard, a little program that lets you configure your your graphics card and all of that. There's hardware information, which will give you some some information about your hardware devices that it has found. You can configure the um, the uh, infrared devices, joysticks, keyboards, mice, printers, all that good stuff. All of that is in there. TV card as well is, is in there. Uh, the next one down is system. Now, there's a couple things in here that I thought I'd point out. Um, the first one, uh, uh, Etsy Sysconfig Editor. This allows you to um, change some settings of, of the system configuration. This is sort of your your... I um, can't think of the right way to describe it, but this is this is a uh, place where you can set up, you can really get down to the nitty-gritty of how certain things are configured. And one nice thing about SUSE Linux is if you buy the retail pack, at least in the past, it came with awesome manuals, and I think it still does, and one of which goes through all of these settings uh, uh, in, in detail. And these are settings that you can change really at the low level, like you can change the modules that are used for different pieces of hardware, and you know you can change uh, which uh, bootloader is used, and, and uh, you can really get down into the settings for for some of the devices and, and pieces of software that are that are used. So uh, if you close out of that, uh, the bootloader uh, in this same uh, system section here allows you to make some bootloader configuration changes like the labels and and you know the settings for each uh, entry in your grub menu and it also allows you to change where grub is installed which is kind of nice kind of gets back to what I was talking about a minute ago um, there's other things in here like the partitioner you saw this during the installation of SUSE this lets you get back to that same partitioner if you need to to repartition or make new partitions or something like that 
power management lets you set the ACPI stuff for your laptop. You can control like, uh, you know, uh, sleep and, and suspend and, and all that kind of stuff can be done in here. And um, let's see, system backup, uh, system restoration. They actually have something in here that lets you configure Zen, which is kind of cool. I haven't played with that yet, but that's uh, Zen is a, is a virtual machine, open source virtual machine that lets you run other operating systems, kind of like VMware or something. But the one thing I did want to point out is here is uh, system services, or uh, it's a, and it says run level in parentheses. This is where you can set what services you have starting up um, at boot, really, you know, if you will. And there's a lot in here. Uh, there's just all kinds of things in here, whether or not you want, you know, you know, NFS clients to start up or NFS servers or Samba servers or something like that. And we'll talk about some of those, you know, details later on. But uh, there's, there, you know, if you want to turn on or turn off services, uh, you know, another good example is SSH. Um, SSH is just awesome, and that's something else we'll talk about at some point. But you can set whether or not you want the SSHD daemon to start at boot or not, and uh, this is where all those types of settings can be can be changed. You can enable or disable various services to start. All right, the next one down is network devices, and it's pretty self-explanatory. This is where you can go and configure your network card and wireless cards and ISDN and modems and DSL cards and that kind of thing. The next one is network services. And, you know, a lot of you folks may not need to mess with this because a lot of this is going to, would be important if you're running a server, uh, but, or ne various network uh, servers, like if you're going to run a Samba server or something like that, you can go in here and configure that or, or uh, mail servers and things like that. That's all going to be configured in here. The next one down, Novell App Armor. Uh, this is also something I haven't played with very much. This is new to SUSE Linux 10.1, but it's my understanding that the way this works is a, it, it's a way to you can configure profiles for uh, I think for software it's, you know to, to to really lock down your system so so people can't make changes and things like that to, to software or to settings. Uh, the next one is security and users, and this is where you can make firewall changes and you can add groups and add users and, and, all, and all of that. And then miscellaneous is uh, just various things where you can, you know, if you've got a paid version of SUSE, you can submit a support incident and, and that kind of thing, look at the release notes and all of that. So, so that is YAS. There's a lot there, uh, a lot of really good hardware configuration tools that are in here. Now, the one thing about Yast, sometimes people complain that it's slow, that it's slow to load, and it's, you know, it's slow to load each of these individual modules when you run them. Um, and that may be the case. You know, you may experience some slowness. I, on my system, it's pretty responsive. I haven't really noticed any particular slowdowns or anything. Uh, the, other, the other thing about Yast is, by definition, what it's doing is, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, everything in Linux is is text-based pretty much, at least configuration files and things. Uh, so when you you know change settings in in different places, it in, invariably it's just changing a setting in a text file someplace. And so Yast re, uh, replaces that. In other words, if you're going to use Yast, I would not go digging around uh, and making manual changes to some of the uh, configuration files in the Etsy directory. And I think, in, in fact, if you go in there um, 
and you look at some of those configuration files, I think they have comments, you know, sort of like a warning at the very top. Do not change or, you know, do not edit manually because Yast will overwrite it. And actually what it really does is when you're finished doing, a, making a change in Yast, it runs a little, uh, little uh, script called uh, SUSE config, I think it is. SBIN SUSE config, I believe, is right. And that kind of, you know, writes all the changes into the various uh, uh, configuration files that, that, it, that it needs to save, you know, save those settings in. So the YAST control center is fantastic, especially for newer users or for users who just don't want to deal with editing configuration files by hand. But for those folks who really like to tinker and make manual changes to the configuration files, just be aware that, you know, really know what you're, double check what you're doing and make sure that it's not going to be overwritten by, by YAST or by SUSE config. Uh, but, I, you know, I have used SUSE quite a bit in the past. I used it in, let's see, 7.3 and 8 and 8.1, I think it was. And I really enjoyed it and it worked really well for me and it, and it always has. Uh, so. It is definitely one of uh, SUSE's major selling points, something that separates it from, from most other distributions. You know, you think about distributions like Ubuntu, and, and I don't think Ubuntu has, well, they may have now added started adding some, some custom tools, but, you know, uh, some distributions are just vanilla. They don't provide you with, with custom tools like Yast. And there are some tools in KDE, for example, that will allow you to make some of these types of, of you know, settings via a, a GUI tool, but it's not, they're generally not nearly as complete. So for newer users, things like YAS are, are really, um, are really great. So the, the other thing I wanted to talk about here is the issues with the package management. If you'll keep YAS open and go back to the very first tab, software, and you'll see here online update, you know, software management, you know, the stuff you can use to install software. Well, Yast historically has allowed you to download packages off the internet. Well, of course, it always lets you install additional software off the CDs or, or the DVD. But in addition to that, it has had the ability to download stuff off the internet, you know, additional packages or updated packages or something like that, security fixes. And in fact, SUSE even created a little, uh, their, uh, little update notification icon down there in the taskbar. In, in your kicker panel, for me, it's right next to the clock, and it's it's uh, right now it's actually blinking, or it's an orange circle or an orange sign with an exclamation point telling me that there's some updates available. That's part of 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 you know, SUSE has always had something like that, some sort of little notification icon and things like that, and it, in the past it has worked really well. Well, apparently in SUSE 10.1, and I won't bore you with all the details because frankly I, you know, I'm not that involved with it. I don't, you know, I don't use SUSE. I'll let SUSE users explain the details in the forums if you want. But long story short, Novell changed the way the package management worked in 10.1. And I guess they changed it kind of late in the game in terms of the betas and all of that. And everybody seems to say that this current system is pretty broken. And I get this from longtime SUSE users. Uh, there's one I know through some through another forum who has uh, been su using SUSE for a long time, and he sent me a really great email that explained all this and, and explained all the problems with it. So suffice it to say that using the software installation tools here in Yast um, is going to be a problem. 
And you can use it to install additional packages off the CDs or the DVD if you get the DVD, but I would not use it to install packages off the Internet. And we're going to do something else, and I'm going to walk through it right now. And I'll provide links to some. There's lots of websites that explain how to do this, but I thought I'd try to you know kind of walk through it. Uh, we're going to be using something called the Smart uh, Package Manager, and apparently Smart is something that um, even even other distributions can use and are considering using. In fact, let me go off on a little tangent here. I was listening to the last episode of the Linux Link Tech Show, episode 142, I believe it is, and they had an interview with Mark Shuttleworth of Ubuntu, and it's a great interview, by the way. I highly recommend you go back and listen to it if you have any interest in Ubuntu or, or what Shuttleworth has to say. But in that interview, at one point, he mentioned that Ubuntu may go to using the Smart Package Manager. So this is something you may see in the future in other distributions. But it's something that needs to be used now in SUSE 10.1 to replace the the YAST software manager. So that's what we're going to do. First, we need to install some packages off the CDs because they did not they were not included in the default installation. If you went through a you know a default SUSE KDE installation, there are five packages that you need to install off the CD. So I'm going to do this actually, um, as as I record this, because I've got a fresh install of, of SUSE on my uh, uh, other workstation here, and I, I'm going to go through it with you as I record this. The five packages that need to be installed that I, that I believe are not installed out of the box are the following. When you, well, let me back up. In the software tab in YAST, Look for the icon on the right-hand side entitled Software Management and click on that, and that will open up a, 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 you know, a window that allows you to search for packages on the CDs and install packages on the CDs. So for me, this opens up with, again, a sort of a two-pane screen and with a search bar on the left-hand side. So the first package that needs to be installed is one called RPM-Python. P-Y-T-H-O-N, RPM-Python. So I entered that, and on the right-hand side, it shows up RPM-Python, and there's a little checkbox next to the RPM-Python package name, and that currently that box is not selected. So I'm going to just click in that box and put a little check mark. So now that's sort of set to install. It's kind of like the Synaptic Package Manager in in uh, Ubuntu or or other other application or, or I mean other distributions. All right, the next one that needs to be installed is Python GTK. Okay, select that, and for me that is also not has not been installed yet, so I'm going to put a check mark next to that one. The next one is Python XML. And, oh, that one was installed by default. Okay. In fact, this email I got says this one might be installed out of the box. So so that one's good to go already. Okay. The fourth one is uh, libsvg. Libsvg. Okay. And 
And actually, the, the, the last package that needs to be installed came up under the same search results because I, all I did was type libsvg. And the two packages you need to install are libsvg and libsvg-cairo. Okay, so I selected that one as well. Okay, so to, to sum up, you need to install four packages, rpm-python, python-gtk, libsvg, and libsvg-cairo. All right, then I click Accept, and it asks me for the CDs, and it's going to install those four packages, and that's good to go. That's sort of a prerequisite to installing the Smart Package Manager. Now, once those packages are installed, the Smart Packages have to be installed. Now, it's my understanding that there are Smart Packages, there are, you know, RPMs for the Smart Package Manager in that are included in the CDs. But I've also been told that it's better to go out onto the internet and to download updated ones from a particular SUSE maintainer. And uh, his name is Pascal Blesner. And he, I guess, maintains the Smart Package Manager packages for SUSE Linux. So I will put this link in the show notes, but I'm going to go ahead and say it as well. To get to his website directory where all of these packages are listed, you would go to the following location. Okay. It is http colon slash slash ftp dot gwdg dot de slash pub pub slash linux slash miss m i s c slash s u s e r dash guru g r u r g u r u slash rpm slash packages slash system with a capital s slash smart and that will take you to a directory where he's got a bunch of packages listed now I was in this directory and it's there's a lot there so let me see what I see if I can explain what you need to do. There are four packages that you need to get out of this directory. And in this directory, he's got, I think, five or six packages. So we're not installing everything that's here. We're going to install four packages. The first one is just the package called Smart. The second one is Smart-Add-ons. The third one is Smart-GUI. And the last one is smart-ksmarttray. That, I think, is the KDE uh, syst- uh, taskbar little icon thing that sits down there and lets you know when there's an update. So those are the four packages. Now, Pascal's directory here has multiple versions, you know, and for multiple architectures and for multiple SUSE versions. <laughs> so it gets confusing because there so there are three you know if you look at these package names that are here in the directory you know the first section is the name of the package the next one the second is the version the third piece of the name is the SUSE version and the last is the architecture here's an example I said the first package that you have to install is the smart is the smart package itself. 
So you're going to want to get the latest package listed here for SUSE 10.1 for, and I'm just going to assume everyone here is using 386 as opposed to, you know, a 64-bit machine. So looking down this list, this is what I see. Smart dash 0.41 dash 26 is currently the latest version. You know, there's dash 24, dash 25, dash 26 is the latest version. Dot guru dot SUSE 10.1 or 101, which is 10.1 dot I686 dot RPM. So that's that's the one I want to download for my computer for this first package. Smart dash zero point four one dash two six dot guru dot susa ten one dot i six eighty six dot rpm. So you'll want to find the other packages I described, which is the smart dash add ons, the smart dash GUI, and the smart dash K smart tray that match those same criteria. So in other words, you're going to want to install smart-addons-0.41-26.guru.susa101.i686.rpm and the same for the smart GUI and the smart K smart tray. I know I'm really going fast here, and hopefully this is all making sense, but I'll try to add some links to some of these you know, in the show notes. Um, see, if I put links to these specific packages then when they're updated, when he finally comes out with 0.41-27, well, then I won't be linking to the right to the latest version. So in case someone comes to these show notes down the road, I'm just going to link to this directory. But maybe we can talk about it in the forums, and someone can put some links to the latest versions in the forums thread you know, to this show. Okay, so we've got those four packages downloaded. Now, we need to install them. Now, this person that I've been that I've been communicating with, and hopefully he'll identify himself in the forums, but I won't say his name in case he wants to remain anonymous, said to avoid using the YAST software package manager itself to install these RPMs. Remember we talked about packages and package management. RPMs is the type of package that's, that SUSE uses. RPM and Fedora, I mean SUSE and Fedora and, and uh, PC Linux OS, those are all RPM-based distributions. So we need to install these RPM packages that we just downloaded. Well, here's an easy way to do it. Okay, see that little terminal down there at the very bottom? Click on that, and you will be in your in your home directory. Now, I had downloaded those packages to my home directory, but I think it defaulted to trying to download them into the Documents folder. So if you didn't change your download destination. It might be in your documents, but anyway, type ls and you'll see the directories and files that are in your home directory. And if you don't see those four files you just installed, check the documents. So type cd space capital D E S and hit tab. Remember I told you about that shortcut? You hit tab and it auto-completes the rest of it and then click or hit return or enter and then type ls again and see if those files you downloaded are in that directory. Hopefully they are. Wherever they are, stay in that directory, okay, and then type the following, su, return, and then your root password, okay? 
and now you will have just switched user to your root user. Type ls again just to confirm you're still in the same directory with those four smart files, okay? And then type rpm space dash i v h. I think that stands for install verbose and I'm not sure what the h option is for. Uh, and then smart s m a r t dash asterisk, which is, you know, shift eight, the little star, that's a wildcard, dot RPM. And the wildcard means it'll it'll install anything with smart dash and then anything, it'll it'll match anything dot RPM. So those are the only four files in the in this directory that match that wildcard with that with that name. So we're safe to type that. So just click hit enter. And let's see, there we go. It's installing, and okay, I, that was fast. So that's done. Go to KDE menu, go up to System, go over to Configuration, and in the next panel that opens up, you'll see Smart Package Manager, parentheses, Package Manager, and Smart Package Update Checker, in parentheses, Package Update Checker. Let's run the second one, Smart Package Update Checker first. It will ask you for your root password. This is running that K smart tray that we downloaded. There should be a new little icon uh, down there in your um, taskbar, and it looks like it looks like a little box with a little CD next to it or something. And for me, it installed it right next to the clock. And if you uh, mouse over it, it, for me, it says there are pending upgrades. So click on it, and we'll ask you for your root password, and type that in, and it will run the Smart Package Manager. Now, when it when you first run it for the first time, uh, it's it's asking you um, that a new channel has been detected, and there'll be a few of these dialog boxes. And from what this uh, particular SUSE user has told me is that because it's because this this Pascal developer, this gentleman named Pascal, he's included all the repositories you need for everything, everything you could possibly use, all the SUSE packages, all the non-free multimedia stuff, everything is here. So it's it's asking you uh, if you want to you know include these as you when you first run it. So this first one for me, it says new channel, SUSE Linux online updates, which is SUSE dash update detected. Include it. And for this one, click yes. All right, the next one, new channel, guru third party package repository, guru detected. Include it. Yes. The next one, new channel, SUSE 10.1 add-on repository with non-open source packages. This is also the SUSE dash non dash OS S channel detected. Include it. Yes. All right, new channel, Pac-Man, third-party package repository detected. Include it, and click yes for this one. Uh, the next one is current KDE uh, applications, uh, SUSID-KDE-backports. Mm, and I'm not sure about this one, actually. I'm going to put no for now. Uh, new channel, latest Mozilla.org packages. I'm going to put yes. Uh, new channel, SUSE 10.1 open source repository, SUSE. So that's the sort of the main SUSE repository. I'm going to put yes. 
And then it says here, latest KDE packages, SUSE-KDE. Now this email, this user emailed me and said, specifically do not include this particular channel because I guess these are new wine packages. And he says that they kind of mess up the KDE sometimes. So I'm going to put no here. All right, updating cache. And it says no interesting upgrades available. I thought that was kind of funny. And so there you go. And if you actually want to go to the package manager itself to pick and choose new new software, go down to the K menu, uh, up to um, system, over to configuration, and then down to smart package manager. And again, enter your uh, root password. And okay, when you first run the uh, smart pa package manager itself from the KDE menu, uh, you'll need to uh, update the uh, repositories or update the channels. So you go up to File and then you know Update. You go down to Update Channels, and it will go off on the internet and download all the package information, kind of like updating you know app app get update or something in Debian. It will download all the information for the packages, and it takes a little while. It's a little slow, so I would just you know leave it for a few minutes and then come back. And then once it's done, uh, it will you know bring you back. And then what's you know what's great is you can uh, click on the little magnifying glass icon there in the taskbar. Uh, will let you find packages. It gives you a search bar. So for example, I typed in Thunderbird, and because um, I don't think Thunderbird's installed here by default. And uh, there you go under productivity networking slash email slash clients underneath that Mozilla Thunderbird, and it's not installed. And so I can right-click on it and click Install. Then if you go up to the taskbar again and uh, you, you click on the second icon, it's like the little gear, the little KDE gear. It says Apply Marked Changes. I click OK. gives me a summary. Thunderbirds could be installed. I click OK. And there it goes off. starts downloading and uh, installing Thunderbird. So you can do this with all the packages that normally come on the CDs because you've added the SUSE you know, Linux uh, tree you know, package tree, that the official tree. You can install any of the codecs and stuff. In fact, this um, uh, one uh, email user sent, or this user sent me the email said that what he recommends is to install Libzine, that's L-I-B-X-I-N-E, mPlayer, and VLC, and that will pull in a lot of the multimedia stuff and and all that kind of you know good stuff. Use smart. From here on out, don't use the YAS tool to install packages because everything you need you can get through Smart, and it works much better, and it's much faster. So it's been working well for me so far, and uh, I, think, I, think that will, I think you'll find that. I think you'll find it helpful. Hope so, at least. And uh, I think that's it. So with that, extra a little bit extra long show, but let's wrap it up. Okay, well, thanks again, everybody. Um, I know I keep saying it, but please check out the forums, um, Linux Reality forums, as well as the Frapper map. Oh, one other thing. It's the start of the new month, so if you would go to podcastalley.com and cast a vote for the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. I think last month we got up to, like, you know, 130 or something. That's pretty cool. Out of, I don't know, 18,000 or 19,000 podcasts, I, I was pretty happy with that. That'd be really cool if we could break 100, so maybe we can shoot for that, but... 
anyway, also I wanted to mention one last thing. There's about two weeks to go until the, uh, the film Serenity, the charity screenings that are happening all around the world. There's some in Australia, there's some in Canada and the U.S. I think there's a few that are being organized in the U.K., so if you're interested in seeing that uh, movie, Serenity for Charity, that was the movie that's based on Firefly, go to can'tstopserenity.com, and you can find links to all the different screenings all around the world and how to buy tickets and all that good stuff. So next week we're going to take SUSE Linux 10.1 Part 3, and we're going to talk about SUSE's GNOME, um, XGL, and maybe some other goodies and stuff like that. So until then, this has been Linux Reality Episode 17. You all have a great week, great weekend. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye. <music>